0: So, we are looking at chapter 5, and it's page 59 of the story, and it's Exodus 19. I want to welcome you joining us on channel 11 at 11 today. We're going through the story. Chronological Bible, chapter by chapter, or chapter 5 today, it's Covenant Theology. Also, those joining from home. I want to introduce Covenant Theology because uh, Covenant is really important to God. I love it that Pastor Lee, the church he served for years is called Covenant Life. has a great declaration of God's intention for His people. We saw a covenant of works with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, They had one job to fulfill their end of the covenant. Do not eat of that tree. And they failed that and messed up the covenant, didn't they? Then we have Noah's covenant, God's covenant with Noah in in, uh, Genesis chapter 9. And what a great covenant that is. It's just beautiful reading. A rainbow is there promising no more flood destruction of the planet. And what's cool about that covenant to me, is it's um, not just with God's people, It's with all human beings. And not only that, it's with all the animals. His promise, he cares about his creatures. No more floods. It's a beautiful expression of God's love for all of his creatures, the Noah covenant. Then we have the Abrahamic covenant next that we've uh, read about. And in the Abrahamic covenant, God says, Guess what? I'm going to sovereignly bless you, and it's all based on grace. In fact, to demonstrate that, you're going to be in sleep, uh, absolutely asleep, when I make the covenant. And so, he put Abraham into a deep sleep, and then he, he, uh, he sacrificed the pigeon and a dove. God did, and the nature of the covenant when he cut them in half. The pieces. And God walked uh, back and forth in the presence of Abraham among the pieces of the of the birds there that had been had been slaughtered. It's like in the covenant means in in that day it means may this happen to me if I don't fulfill my end of the covenant. So God was saying that, and Paul picks up on that later and says it's not based on works, my friends. It's based entirely on God's grace. His covenant to Abraham and his seed. And his seed's name it's not plural. It's Jesus, singular. To Abraham and his seed, singular. And everybody who is in Jesus and in who Jesus is in. So all the blessings of the Bible are, in G- are for Jesus and everybody who is connected to Jesus through faith, spiritually. Praise God for the covenant. So... As we approach um, gen, uh, Exodus chapter 19, verse 1, um, what we have is God saying, you know what, my friends, it's finally happening. The Abraham, Abrahamic covenant is making a significant leap forward right now because I promised it to Abraham, I renewed it to his son Isaac and his son Jacob and uh, Joseph and, and their kids. But now it's been 400 years that they've been in Egypt. And from generation to generation to generation, they have talked about through an oral tradition the amazing promise that God made to Abraham and to us. For 400 years as we're here in Egypt, the promise God's going to eventually get us out of here and take us to the land flowing with milk and honey. 400 years, can you imagine that's the time between the, when pilgrims, the pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, 1620, and now. God has a different angle on time, doesn't he? <laughs> but anyway, they, pro, they celebrated that promise, and now it's a significant leap forward because they did, God did all the signs and wonders to get the children of Israel out of Egypt. He, he parted the Red Sea, and they're now in the desert of Sinai, and God is saying... I carried you on eagle's wings to get you here, man, but I didn't just carry you to the, to the desert of Sinai. I carried you on eagle's wings to myself. Let's read it, Exodus 19, verse 1. In the third month, after the children of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on the same day, they came to the wilderness of Sinai. For they had departed from Rephidim, had come to the wilderness of Sinai, and camped in the wilderness. So Israel camped there before the mountain, and Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Note especially God's delight in, in saying to the children of Israel, you guys are special, a special treasure to me. You're a kingdom of priests. You're gonna have priests in the Levitical priesthood, but you are all priests. That is, you are all continual worshipers of me And you, I declare over you, you are a holy nation. Now, what we have, even with the name Lord, every time you see Lord in the Old Testament, it's uh, in caps, almost always in caps. And that signifies the name Yahweh. And Yahweh was a name that that, uh, before that, God used for his name almost always um, Elohim which means the God who is, trans, who is out there, far away, like filling the whole universe, distant. Powerful, but distant, Elohim. But now he's using a name which means, I am present to save you. And it's a name that they were so concerned that they not take in vain, that they didn't even say it. They used a code word, for it, they used the word Jehovah or Adonai as a code word for this name because they were so concerned. But the implication of it for us is that, is that God is now, who had, who had dwelt out and had promised from afar, visiting once in a while, is now saying, I'm going to dwell with you. I'm going to, you're going I'm going to have a, you're going to make a tabernacle, and my presence is going to be there with you. And I'm going to have a pillar of I'm going to appear in a pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. I am with you. You are my people. God is so happy for this day, because it's a great leap forward in His promise to Abraham and His children, and and the, um and it's going to even have another great leap forward for us because in Jesus Christ the new covenant is even more amazing. But what we have in this Old Testament um, covenant that we see in Exodus 19 and in the chapter 5 of the story, there are, there are appetizers for the new covenant there. There are appetizers. Now I want us to look at the appetizer, appetizers in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, as a way of helping us celebrate and appreciate and respond to the beauty and glory and wonder, personally, of the new covenant that is ours in Jesus Christ. We see, first of all, I mentioned that God said you're special, you're priests, and you're a holy nation. We see that in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, God says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness, out of your Egypt, out of darkness, into his marvelous light in Jesus Christ. And what we see in that expression is God is saying that what I said to the children of Israel in Exodus I'm saying it now applies to you Jews and Gentiles alike in a greater infinitely more wonderful way that that was just an appetizer and now you have the covenant in Jesus of the five callings that we see out of this old covenant I want to first mention that there's a call to resurrection Jesus life that appears in Exodus 19 Page 60 in the story, paragraph 1. Page 60, paragraph 1. Here it is in Exodus 19, verse 10 and following. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. Does the third day have any meaning for you? I know it's a singing group. Third day, but that's looking back at a special third day that's part of the new covenant, right? Can we see in this Old Testament expression an appetizer for the resurrection of Jesus in the new covenant? I hope we can. Let them be ready for the third day, for on the third day the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And Jesus rises from the dead in resurrection glory on the third day. And when you were baptized, and came out of the water, you, were, you came out of the tomb in resurrection glory as well. And you, that's where you reside as well. Right now. Because the Bible says in, uh, it's in Romans chapter eight, you have, past tense, been glorified. So you right now are living in the glory of God. If you have childlike faith, and eyes to see it, it's yours. Remember Jesus said regarding Jonah, three days Jonah would be in the belly of the of the great fish, and three days the Son of Man will be in the belly of the earth, and then he will rise. So you see, there are appetizers in the Old Covenant narr- faith narratives that point to prophetically the amazing dynamic and wonder of what we own personally and together in new covenant blood of Jesus Christ. Augustine in the early 5th century put it this way, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. Don't think of the Old Testament as just being a book of laws. It's a faith narrative. There's promise there, pointers to the new covenant. It's a picture book of the Bible. I hope you'll see it that way. What uh, God is telling Moses is to get ready for the third day. And in terms of application, I think the, the coolest things in life are things we plan for, to prepare for. And Jesus was always preparing people, the disciples, for the resurrection day that was going to come for him, now, I, I really like to think ahead and enjoy anticipation for cool things. You know, my grandson Luke is four years old, and since he was about two years old, I've been talking about him taking him fishing in my motorboat. And so I have developed an anticipatory set in his heart, for when he's five years old to go fishing with grandpa. And I say it to him often, probably once a week I say it to him for a couple years now. <laughs> well, last week I said, Luke, when you're five, you're, we're going to go fishing in that boat right there. And he looked at me and he said, Grandpa, I think I'm ready now. <laughs> so I said, done and done. But first, we're just going to go for a boat ride, and we'll drag the rest of your family along. So we've got it all planned for this afternoon. Right out here is the, is the boat with, uh, hooked onto the new song, Van, with a trailer hitch. After that second service, we're going to pile in there. We're going to go to In-N-Out Burger. Got it all planned. Then we're going to go out to Lost Creek Lake and go for a 20-minute boat ride. Motor boat ride. Then we're going to come back and stop at Shady Cove at that amazing, uh, you know, ice cream shop, and then Luke's going to have an ice cream cone. Maybe Grandpa might as well, might also. Anyway, it's all planned, and it brings me great joy just expecting it. And you know what? I want to say this, that you and I can change the dynamics of the stuff in our future by thinking that the resurrection of Jesus, remember last time we talked about Mercy and truth following us, Jesus has our back, and the rock that followed them followed them in the desert spiritually was, is Jesus Christ, followed them, was the rock that followed them spiritually in the desert. And, and behind us, we don't have to look behind us and have regrets and sorrows and stuff like that because Jesus is redemptively fixing that in our, in our personal history. Well, I want to say that Jesus not only has our back, he has our front, he goes ahead of us. And this anticipation of him facing every challenge that you need, a resurrection, power, breakthrough in, in your present, in your future, every challenge to your faith, every doubt you have, every every moment, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, Every situation where you feel inadequate, where you don't have the power to make it successful, you feel weak, you feel like, wow, I don't know if, that can, if I can do that, I want you to know, God wants you to know, that Jesus Christ in resurrection power is there, and as Mother Teresa said, it's not a problem, it's an opportunity. We don't call them problems, only call them opportunities, because the resurrection power of Jesus Christ makes every quote-unquote problem an opportunity for resurrection breakthrough because with God all things are possible. Now, that could be a change in circumstance because of the resurrection power of Jesus, or it can be resurrection strength for you to get through it because, because through Christ I can do all things through Christ who strengthens, strengthens me with resurrection power and energy. He goes before us. Turns everything into a boat ride. If you don't aren't connected to Jesus Christ, yeah, I'm going to give you an opportunity at the end of this message to have resurrection power working in your heart, working in your life so you can expect, anticipate that because it's coming. You can be thinking about that. You're going to have an opportunity to have resurrection power begin to start working in your heart and your life. So of the, I'm not going to spend that much time in all of the five callings, but the first call is of the of the old covenant appetizer. There's a call from the old covenant to the new covenant in the area of resurrection, Jesus life. Secondly, there's a call to behave ourselves. Yep. A call to behave ourselves, page 61, last paragraph in the story, Exodus 20, verse 1 through 3, and God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, I am present to save you, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and God saying to you and me in the new covenant, he's brought us out of the land of spiritual Egypt, bondage of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage, you shall have no other gods before me. He immediately goes into the Ten Commandments, the ethics. God cares about how we behave. Let's look at those Ten Commandments. Here they are. The first, the first four have to do with our relationship with God. The second six have to, have to do with how we relate to each other. God cares about how we relate to him and how we relate to each other. He forgives us when we don't, but he really it really does matter to him. He knows that because of Adam, we have a, that nature in Christ it's it's uh, we're dead to sin, the life to God, but we could easily slip back into a into wrong thinking. I mean my Grandson, my other, my, one of my grandsons, Xavier, six years old, actually got in a fist fight last week. Who would have thought? Got in a fist fight. He ended up getting getting hurt, and he ended up hurting the other kid. Not permanently, not not like that, but you know, it it it, it wasn't a good thing. Six years old. Before mom could get to them to stop it, they were in a, on a trampoline and it had the screen on it. They had to get through the screen, zip it down, and get it, stop the kids from beating each other up. You know parenting that it hasn't always been a bed of roses. Now, grandparenting, those of you that are grandparents know that's a little easier. But, but parenting, you identify with the mom that put her little girl on time out for misbehaving. Did you just sit there and think about what you did? And the little girl very arrogantly says, Mommy, I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know? Not always a bed of roses. How about your marriage relationship? Did you ever have any uh, stress points with that? Do you? Have you in the past? Even a long time ago, you know? Heard a story about it, two friends, two guys that were talking. <laughs> I think this one's kind of funny. They were talking, um, they're buddies. And one, one asked the other guy, he knew he was having some marriage stress, so he said, how's, that, how's your marriage relationship going? Oh, great, she came crawling to me on her hands and knees yesterday. Well, what'd she say? She said, get out, of that, out from under that bed, you coward. <laughs> oh boy I want to say this about the Ten Commandments they're not a list of laws that you carry around in your back pocket because inherent in the Ten Commandments they give God's standard but we need something more we need power to go after that standard the Israelites the children of Israel found out real quick they promised to keep the covenant, the Ten Commandments, but then right away they, Moses was gone for a bit and they made a, they had Aaron make a uh, idol out of gold and they worshiped it and said, these are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. And when Moses came down, all upset about it, Moses said, oh, I just threw the gold in the fire and out jumped this calf. I mean, you know, just <laughs> talk about a political exaggeration. You know, that's just crazy. But you know what? In the new covenant, God puts the new covenant, writes it in our heart. He puts a want to in our heart, doesn't he? So you shall have no other gods before me. Now is you shall have no other gods before you. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You're not sloppy with God. You're not using it as a cuss word, the name of God for a cuss word, like so many do. It's you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You don't do it anymore because there's a want to in you. I've noticed, I've noticed that one of the first things that drops off somebody when they get good saved is that they stop taking Jesus' name in vain. Stop using it for cussing. It's, I think it's probably the first thing that drops off. You shall not steal becomes become, be, becomes you shall not steal. It's a want to within us. It's a new covenant that... that uh, is written in our hearts. The commands of God are written in our hearts. Says Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Hebrews. Well, we've talked about a call to resurrection, Jesus life, call to behave ourselves, and we have that inertia going in us because the motivations of Jesus are working in our hearts now supernaturally. The third of the five, we have a call to financial investment and time investment in the tabernacle of of God. In the story, page 65, the fifth paragraph, sorry, page 63, the fifth paragraph, and in Exodus 25, verse 1 and following, then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring me an offering. From everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering so there's an investment into this tabernacle where god will dwell and my friends it's not a tabernacle now this building is not a tabernacle this we call this a sanctuary but it's it's not biblically the sanctuary you are this now the sanctuary there's not a temple in a location you are the temple i am the temple individually and even more dynamically together we constitute the temple of god that he fills and every single time you invest in something, rela- your money or your time, even showing up this morning is an investment of time, right smack in the middle of your weekend, taking time to watch this show. You're investing time, taking time to watch the live stream. You're investing time, tithes, offerings to, for, the, for the work of God, for the work of New Song Church in our region and, and globally. What we're doing is uh, we're investing in the tabernacle, and you never lose by investing in yourself spiritually. You never lose as part of the, co- the blessing of the new covenant. So, he says, let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. There it is. Speak, yeah, there it is right there. Fourth of the five, there's a call to Intimacy. In the story, page 67, the last paragraph, which corresponds to Exodus 33, verse 7 and following, listen carefully, or watch. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp, so it was, Whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose, and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass, when Moses entered the tabernacle, that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door, and all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door." So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And when you have someone in your life, like if you have a friend or someone in your life that's like Moses that really seeks the presence of God, it's contagious towards you. And when you seek the presence of God, it's contagious to others. The people of Israel, children of Israel, whenever Moses went close to God, they were drawn closer to God. And Joshua actually, Moses couldn't get him out of the tabernacle. He wanted to stay in the tabernacle all the time because he loved the presence of God because he saw Moses enjoying the presence of God. Jesus told his disciples, I no longer call you servants, but friends. There's a positivity about our relationship with the Father and with the Son and with the Spirit. There's, it's a serious thing, but it's also a lightsome thing. It's a it's a free and happy and easy thing. It's a trusting thing of friendship. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it influences other people. In the first great awakening in the mid-1700s in the UK and in the colonies, one of the key moments was when a young lady at Jonathan Edwards Church in Northampton, Massachusetts, she she had been a... she been an abuser of alcohol, she was promiscuous, and she had a foul mouth. Everybody knew it, this young lady. She got good saved and was radiant with the presence of God, and it sparked a fire in the whole town for God and spread to other towns. And Jonathan Edwards wrote it up in a story, and it went over to England, and it lit a fire in John Wesley and George Whitfield, and they started being open air preachers, and it spread there. All because of the influence of one person getting good saved. Amazing. We are so influenced, aren't we? Finally, it's a call to grace based personal theology. That's number five. That intimate friendship we have with God, that experience of the Spirit that results in us enjoying the glory of God both forever and now, means that we don't let there be anything between us and God no regrets, no guilt, no sins. We put the blood of Jesus on those things and we put them in the garbage can. And we live in freedom. Yesterday, Sonia and Alicia and I were on a team that went to the Expo Center to encourage, to pray for people and to try to win souls. And we ended up talking with a man who wanted to be saved. So we prayed with him to be saved. And then I felt impression from the Holy Spirit, a word of knowledge, that he needed to forgive somebody. And I inquired with him about that. And he said, I need to forgive myself. And he started telling a story that 35 years ago, he'd come across a lady that was being um, um, attacked by a man. And as a a teenager, 18, 19 years old, he attacked the guy and accidentally um, injured him where the guy died. And for 35 years, he's been having nightmares. And it has been this block between him and God. And I shared with him John 21, where Jesus told his disciples and us, whoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. Whoever sins you retain, they're retained. And I said to him, the eyes are the window to the soul. I want to look into your soul and declare in the name of Jesus that you're forgiven. So he looked me right in the eye. And I looked deep into his soul. And with the anointing of the Spirit and the authority of Jesus, I said, All of your sins, this incident, any culpability, any guilt, is entirely forgiven. My friends, he got free and happy. He got free and happy. And then we were, sit, we were standing by three garbage cans right here. Those aren't just, those aren't the ones. But <laughs> I said, it's not, it's not a coincidence that we are standing by three garbage cans as we're talking and praying because you now have, in the presence of the Father and the presence of the Son, in a presence of the Holy Spirit, you've put this regret into the garbage can. You're free with each of them now and liberated. Yeah. And he took that as a sign from God. That picture, that photo of the guy on the, on the roller coaster, please, David. So, 2020 has been a bit turbulent like a roller coaster, hasn't it? But with Jesus Christ, we're peaceful. (laughs) Let's stand up in the auditorium right here, right now. Put your hand on your heart. And my friends, if you're here today in the sanctuary or at home or on channel 11 and 11, I want to invite you to call on the name of the Lord to be saved and start a new covenant dynamic in your own life, and your own heart. There's nothing like having God in your life. All of us together say this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive all my sins. sins. I call upon you to save me. And make me born again. Right now. Amen. Amen. Now, my friends, whoever it is that you know has been praying for you, text them right now. Call them. Tell them you asked Jesus in your heart. They'll help you to grow in your new relationship with Jesus. They've been praying for you. They'll help disciple you into this wonderful new life in Jesus Christ that he has for you in the new covenant. God bless us all. Have a great week.